I don't know. It was, it was so jarring to have that realization. Yeah. And that's when everything started to crumble. I had to do it for a long time, pursue something the wrong way. And really for years, stay very out of touch with the experience of my life, very out of touch with my own unhappiness, really repress it until it was like, you can't even ignore this anymore until I really started to think about like, maybe there's a different way I want to set up my life. Do you, here, you introduce this time. We're just, I'm just making us go back and forth unofficially. Oh, I love officially. it. Yeah. Okay, so I actually had some thoughts about someone made a comment to me after I listened to our episode one of our episodes they're like you didn't really introduce yourselves at all and I was like well we're three episodes in whatever like too late now (laughs) (laughs) then I was thinking about um I'm gonna take us on a little tangent for a second it it relates you remember AOL how could I forget (laughs) AIM are you familiar (laughs) with everything all what we did in middle school AIM, instant messaging. My obsession with social media is founded on that time period. You know what I what mean? Was, what Us was doing your... a podcast now is because we were <laughs> AIM hoes 20 years ago. <laughs> There's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do except like beg your parents for time on someone's laptop so you could message your friends. What was your um, screen name? Oh my God. Mine was so lame, Carol. <laughs> well, I promise you mine wasn't awesome. Okay, fine. Um, mine was I remember thinking it was so cool when I started it, which was in the fifth grade. Oh man. But yeah. then very quickly, like come sixth grade, I no longer felt cool. So it was Gator Jaca. <laughs> Caroline specifically understands why that's funny and embarrassing because Gator was the mascot for the school that we went to. We were the Gators. And Jaca was my nickname. <laughs> I know. Like, ew, you were a fan of school sports. <laughs> The blue team and the gold team. What the hell? And Gator Jaka. I still call you Jaka. Yeah. Jaka. Jaka. I kept Jaka into like the Instagram days. My Instagram handle before it was Jay-Z DeBakey was Jaka DeBaka. Um, oh, that's so cute. I can't believe you changed it. I changed it because I was like, let's be like a sexy adult. <laughs> but Jaka was my nickname. Jaka DeBaka is like a little cup doll exactly and I wanted to lean on the fact that my middle name starts with a z so I wanted to change it but um yeah Jaco is my nickname growing up my family still calls me Jaco people from high school oh, still call me Jaco I didn't know that your family called that I kind of thought Colleen oh yeah started that okay she did she did start it um oh. but it spread really quickly and yeah it spread from like my classmates to teachers some teachers called me that to my parents and my family like my cousins call me Jaka. like it's Aww. really broad and so, it, so you just know it really works that's the confirmation that the branding was effective yeah but I was also thinking about what a ridiculous nickname that was the other day because I don't even notice when I call you Jaka. and then you voice memoed me and you were like I love when you call me Jaka. I didn't even yeah. you know it's just like your name and I was like that is a crazy name though like what like we just took your first initial the first letter and the last sound like if yeah. you're M- Melissa and we were just like Emsa. Like, yeah, exactly. It's a stupid. It's Jessica sound, without it's... the S. Jacob. It, it worked a lot and I still love it. Um, yeah. So my AIM screen name was Gator Jacob. 
my dad helped me set it up. I remember, I literally remember being in our computer room. Do you remember comp- having a computer room yeah. or like an area at your house? I was in our yeah. computer room and my dad was <laughs> like, this will be rooms. a good username for you. And <laughs> then it was done. <laughs> Father approved. Okay. So that's what I was missing when I set up my screen name. My dad. I did not have parental supervision. <laughs> I was missing your dad. And I, I thought I was, listen, I thought I was a funny kid and my screen name thank you i needed that Ten confirm <laughs> my screen name was do you really want it oh, um, I remember remember oh that it caused a big scandal because i thought do you really want it spelled one everything was spelled normal but one was w-u-n because i thought it would be cool when cute guys asked me for my screen name and i'd be like do you really want it and I thought wow. that would be, I thought that would be cool and interesting is what I thought about it. That's, I thought it was interesting, but was it, turns- is it not? <laughs> this is like the same as the good sitter. It's, it's one of those things people don't know. It's cool and interesting to sex predators. <laughs> sure. No, it was cool and interesting to like internet predators, which is exactly what happened one day when I sat down, logged on to AIM. And you didn't have like profiles or photos or anything, but you could kind of just type in an AIM screen name and start talking to whoever I think, or yeah. I started talking to someone and I typed in our friend Colleen's screen name and chatted with her for like 45 minutes and 45 minutes into the conversation, Colleen was like, how old are you? I was like, Colleen, you're so crazy. You know how old I am. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> And then eventually it dawned on me. (laughs) And then eventually it dawned on me that maybe I wasn't talking to Colleen. And I like double checked. I typed in the screen name wrong. I'd been talking to a total stranger, a middle-aged man for 45 minutes before he led on, before I figured out, like, I think he knew that I knew I had messaged him. I had no idea. I thought I was talking to Colleen for 45 minutes. Were you, um, were you talking about like things that Colleen would have known about? And how did this man? I don't know. He wasn't calling out that he was a middle-aged man, but it's also super possible that I missed a lot of indicators until he started asking sure. me about my age. Colleen was a weird gal. So it's easy to just be like, oh yeah, it's she's possible. just being funny. Yes, she's a funny one. Yeah, there's some people who they can say things and you're like, that could mean anything. I'm not going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it was 45 minutes. That's where I feel like I am now. We're, we're 45 minutes into this AIM conversation that is our podcast. And now I'm going to pause and make sure that we introduce who we are. And say, how old are you? <laughs> yeah, how old are you? How old are you? <laughs> Over the legal limit. I'm 31. Are you? You are. I'm 31. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> Just checking, don't, don't just checking that I've been talking to Caroline this whole time. I'm traumatized by being asked that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, now that we're a ways in, I want to do the intro. Yeah. Why are we here? Oh, no, the, that was a bad the idea. List of things. No, that's probably super <laughs> no, important. No, as soon, as soon as I said it, I hated it. You think? I feel like they don't know. They might know. They might have pieced it together. Cool. They might yeah. have watched your YouTube video, but like, why are we really here? Um. It's such a big question. It quite gets existential. So I, J- just Jaka, Jaka and I, you and I went to school together since we were sec- in second grade, second grade to, until we graduated high school. We weren't, we weren't BFFs, but we were in the same friend group. 
Yes. And I think we were silly goofs. Yes. Mm -hmm. Silly goofs. Um, but on different, different goof paths. Agreed. Agreed. Like we both, we were both jokesters and we were both like smart and good at school and stuff. So mm -hmm. I think those were common ground and yeah, like in the same friend group, but I was definitely more, I feel like I was, and maybe our screen names actually exemplify this perfectly. <laughs> I feel it. like I was more like on the straight and narrow. Like I was just like, <laughs> not, and I don't mean that as shade to you. I mean it as like my own gap in my upbringing where I just like didn't explore things and take risks and like talk to random men online the way that Caroline might have. I was in dark corners. I was in some dark corners. Yeah. I was also, I would say on the straight and narrow, I was like, we were both like A students well, and I wasn't like doing everyone... anything weird. I just had like a darkness in a corner that kept me away from people. Yeah. It's really like when I say the straight and narrow, I'm talking about the setting that we're in is all girls Catholic school in Bethesda, Maryland. It's like it's the everybody's straightest on the, the straight and narrow. Everyone's yeah. on the straight and narrow. Yeah. So the spectrum is very small of like who is more on the straight and narrow than others. You but know I what I'm saying? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was a little more, but at all of us were. It was like such a sheltered and structured environment. Right. Years later, we both dabbled, took our different paths into both standard corporate careers as well as creative outlets we kind of explored both at different times and reunited when you were I don't know you caught my eye when you I, were working on your peaking podcast I caught your eye yeah you caught my fucking eye you little cupcake and <laughs> I and I was doing my YouTube channel and we just kind of noticed like we'd gone so far apart and kind of ended up closer i'm doing a lot of hand gestures right now yeah you are it's really mesmerizing i think we ended up took very different paths and then kind of ended up in the same place yeah i went to be an actor you went on like a great marketing career and then yeah. we kind of switched and you quit your marketing career and i quit acting and then we both kind of the pendulum swung for both of us and we ended up somewhere in the middle where we were both doing both we were both working our day jobs i was in tech you were in marketing um you were doing peak your podcast stuff and I was doing YouTube and then I know that I wanted something outside of YouTube yeah just because I always assume everything's going to crash and burn in my life nothing lasts forever YouTube will burn one day and I wanted to have something else that I was building and I didn't want to do it alone and they were very very it was a very long list of qualities that I would require mm -hmm. in a co-host and this sweet little angel came into my life and there she was my heart yeah I mean okay so that that same section of time from my perspective just I'll add a little bit of personal color to it like Caroline said yeah she went directly from high school into pursuing acting I went a more traditional like corporate you know, we both went, got our undergrad. I went, got my master's after that. I was in consulting actually before I was in marketing. So I wasn't even remotely doing anything like creative because marketing has a little bit of that. I was in a very structured corporate consulting career for the first like mm. eight years that I was working. And I always felt this thing inside me that was like, 
what the fuck are you doing? Like, this Damn. is not what you're supposed to be doing. That's a crazy feeling. It was a terrible feeling, a terrifying feeling. It would creep up on me like every six months to a year and just like it it broke me down. It broke me repeatedly. Like thing, like it felt surreal that you were living the way you were living. In a way, it felt like- the, the way you were living in quotes, which is like the, you know, the way people yes. idealize and like looks great to everybody. Exactly. Yeah. I was but it doing felt all the right things, all the things that I had like been put on a path to do, like right, quote unquote. And um, I did not, I was not like fulfilling myself at all. Mm-hmm. I was not like doing the things that I cared about, doing the things that I felt like I could be doing, should be doing, yeah. like, enjoy doing more. And it like, yeah, traumatized me for years. And I was trying to figure out like, how do I get there? So all of that led to me leaving my corporate job and taking a year off and like figuring that all out. That's when I started peaking. I had had my eye on Caroline this whole time because I had so admired that she knew from high school that she wanted to do acting or wanted to do something in the arts and like went for it. Yeah. Yeah, literally the whole time I knew you, um, the whole time growing up. Uh, but like, it's it's different from you know like on paper we both did performance growing up. Like I was in chorus and did some theater, and you did a lot of theater. Like we were both kind of doing similar extracurriculars in the performance space, mm-hmm. but you really were doing it with this vision of like, this is this is the only thing I can do in life this is what I have to do when I'm done with school only thing I cared about yeah and it's funny like all at once yeah I did pursue that I knew I was going to I was so set on that since I was like 11 I think I decided my career dreams whatever and yet it kind of it took me I ended up in the same place as you did feeling so unfulfilled in your corporate career I eventually got there with acting pursued this thing that I just like set as a goal when I was like 11 and I'm glad I did it I have zero regrets if I hadn't done it I'd be living the rest of my life being like well I should have tried the thing I wanted to do I wanted to do it I truly did and um it uh, it just began to totally suck I don't even know I don't even know if I can say it began to suck it like I really didn't like a lot of it. I really yeah. didn't connect with the people, the lifestyle. Obviously, the hustle of it is a whole other thing. But there were so many parts of it that I'm like, I don't I don't know if that was a good career for me. I think performance just felt so potent and that felt so correct. But there were so many other things about the lifestyle of acting Um that are such a bad fit for me. And I I ended up feeling just as disconnected hilariously by pursuing what I identified as my passion or the riskier thing. Yeah. Well, it makes me think like, I think one of the keywords that you said was you were just pursuing this goal. And that's how I felt in my career too. Like Mm -hmm. every certain amount of time that would pass every year or five years or whatever, I would always be looking ahead and be like, okay, but as soon as I make it to this type of job or this Mm. level of promotion, or, you know, when I'm able to say that I'm a manager, that was like the big thing for me in consulting in Mm. in the beginning of my career. It was like, okay, everything I'm doing is working towards becoming a manager. And then once I'm a manager, like 
that's when it's all gonna come together and connect for me and feel right and I finally got that because of course I got that because like yeah I'm a smart you're a badass hard you can do whatever you wanted bitch you can do whatever the fuck you wanted of course you got it I and I I truly like I truly believe that I back myself so of course I got it and And I was expecting it to be this like moment where a come to Jesus moment like everything makes sense and I felt nothing I felt worse because I was like wait I'm at this point that I've been working for for like six years and I it doesn't feel any different um like this is what the what is this all chalked up to be I don't know it was it was so jarring to have that realization yeah and that's when everything started to crumble that's when I started to take a look at like yeah okay I keep getting this feeling in the pit of my stomach that I'm not doing what I want to be doing and I had been interpreting that as like we'll just keep going and get to the next thing and get to the next thing and get to the next thing and then it'll finally feel better and no like actually I need to be doing all of this totally differently I need to be like rewriting and I feel like maybe with acting you were similarly feeling like percent okay I'm pursuing acting I'm pursuing acting as soon as I get like the first big job or something like it's all going to be worth it it's all going to make sense and then I remember you telling me like you got what was kind of like a the bigger commercial or something that you had gotten and right. it should have been that moment and it was the opposite, right? Yeah, I felt it for a while I, and I felt like very, I did not feel, I was disillusioned the whole time. Mm-hmm. I I knew that acting was the tough, like ridiculous pursuit and it's so, so oversaturated as a career like the competitiveness of it I knew all of that going in I think most people don't realize how oversaturated and how competitive it is and I know that because of the comments people leave on YouTube they're like oh my god you're so funny you're so talented how did you not make it as an actor that just shows me like you have no idea how many talented people there are out there every single person I worked with was funnier and more talented than me and you'll never see them it's Mm. it's not like I was a standout it was like everyone was crazy talented and you'll never see them and they're all dirt poor and they're mostly quitting now to go pursue a backup career like that's what the talent level is it's not like a bunch of standout stars and um and so many people who are like so so beyond any talent I had whatever but I knew that I knew the odds were crazy and I actively thought I was just like I know what it takes is grit. What it takes is being willing to eat shit long-term and just outlast other people because other people Mm. will quit. I remember specifically being on the phone with my mom and being like, mom, it just takes grit and I have grit. I'll eat shit. It's going to be fine. And that is something I'm good at. (laughs) And and then then somehow it didn't end up, then somehow I was actually the first to quit acting. I was like the first of my friends. And Mm. it's exactly what you said happened. I I was so unhappy for years and years and years. But like, how do you, that I got my BFA in theater. It was my identity. It was my lifestyle. It was the thing I'd been pursuing since I was 11. It was like how people referred to me. It was everything. And, um, And I booked this commercial. You know, I would get small jobs and stuff, whatever. And I booked this commercial and it was like an overnight shoot in a movie theater. It was for like Coke and Regal Cinemas, one of those like little ads they do. And we were shooting in a Regal Cinema overnight shoot. And for all intents and purposes, like 
I should have been over the moon just because as an actor, you're supposed to be over the moon even when you get a callback. Like yeah. as an actor, your job is not to get the role. Your job is just to get a callback because the rest is out of your hands. So if you get like just callbacks, your agents are like pleased with you. That's the job. But if you actually get the role, it's like, that's everything. That's the, you get to work. And I was at this shoot doing like a cool shoot overnight. And I just wanted to go home. I didn't even want to do the shoot, like forget the auditions. I didn't even want to do the job. And I, I really was like, oh, if I don't like this, then I don't like this career anymore. And that was the last job I ever worked. Yeah. 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 It's crazy how it's crazy how the paths are so similar, even though we were doing such different things. And also crazy that both of us ultimately ended up at a place where we kind of want something very similar. Yeah. 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 And now we're here and it's really fucking cool. And yeah. I, I would also like to reiterate another point that you were making that is so incredibly mutual is like, I had been feeling the whole time that I was working on peaking this, you know, urge and desire to have it grow and have it become bigger and have it be more a part of like my day-to-day -day livelihood but I felt that that was not possible to do without a co-host. And I had no one, truly no one that I could think of that would meet my very long list of requirements yeah. for a co-host, like exactly yeah. what you're saying. And I think if you think about starting any type of business and wanting a business partner or something, it's the same. It's, it's like you care about yeah, somebody who gets it, gets the vision exactly the same way that you do, like will put as much into it that you can trust to make decisions and trust to think like you, but also to trust to think differently than you and like in the right way you or like you... in a compatible way. Yeah, exactly. Like I have been thinking for years about like, I don't think I can do what I want to do alone, but I don't know who the hell I would do it with. I very intentionally work alone. I love to work alone. I've heard that. I think most YouTubers are total loners. It's not by coincidence that they don't like to collaborate with people <laughs> like yeah. it's very hard to share something you care about I've collaborate I can collaborate on anything that I don't give a shit about sure I can collaborate on yeah. my at my day job on a project or whatever but if you actually care it's really hard yeah totally so, very specific fit yeah yeah there was no one else it's almost Christmas what the hell it's almost Christmas I'm like trying to move my mind into that zone I'm not yeah, I was also thinking about holiday stuff, and I don't even know if I have any hot takes or opinions. I feel pretty unholiday, but that's um, how I feel. We can explore which is, and see which yeah. is the hot take. I feel like because that's the hot take. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not though, because maybe that's how everyone feels. Um, I feel not only unholiday, but like I get holiday anxiety. I get anxious around the holidays. I get like anxious about leaving my home here in Chicago where I live freely by myself going. Freely going to a place of chains <laughs> going back into the shackles I've escaped the shackles of my consulting job but you're like a zebra being taken to the zoo I grazed freely on the plains and you've taken me to that's what I do here it's the midwest I'm like a cow just it's out the there it's <laughs> the midwest god damn it i don't know i just get anxiety about going home um yeah, yeah and not being in my space for a long time and being out of my routine just little things like little things add up nice testament to you liking the world you've built for yourself 
I That's fucking a good thing. love the world I good built. For you. I often feel this pull between like loving the world I've built and pressure to return to the world I left because of course family's oh. always like, when are you yeah. moving back? When are you moving closer? Bitch, when are you moving here? <laughs> Actually don't stay where you are. <laughs> stay, stay where you are in the rent. Yeah. Very relatable. And I also think there's something to like going back to your parents' house and being under their roof again and falling into like old dynamics of how you behaved when you were all together under the same roof. Like it's weird. What, uh, what, how the dynamic behaves. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, the siblings, the younger generation who have since presumably matured and grown and experienced life and developed better, like, yeah communication skills developed better this we that, whatever. assume i haven't seen it <laughs> i i've heard that that's what i think i've done but as soon as we're back yeah, together yeah. with my parents it's like we unlearn all of that and go back to the trash that we were when we were like 15 yeah so it's just all a bit anxiety ridden for right. me i don't know if there's a whole lot to say more than that totally it's my truth i think it's the most it's the most relatable truth it's a beautiful truth thank you for sharing your truth totally yeah i'm living 20 minutes from my parents in there i love going home i spend i go home like almost every sunday all day and and that's like intentional time because i'm scared of everyone dying like i want to go spend time with them yeah even if i don't feel like it and i usually end up enjoying it a lot but I never want to spend the night. I always want to come home. They always want me to spend the night. I just like want to be in my bed with my stupid little world on my stupid little grassy plane that I've roamed free in. Yeah, totally. Which is kind of a nice thing about being close to home. I used to like that a lot when I lived in DC. Right. Was that I could go home for however long I wanted, but then come back and sleep in my apartment and just like way easier be grounded again as opposed to from yeah. here it's like a commitment a week-long yeah. trip yeah I feel like the worst I'll say this for the record if this is comforting to anybody I feel like the hardest situation at the holidays is when you have when you're married not my problem not my problem and both sets of in-laws are in your city yes and then both expect all of your time i've watched this with so many couples over and over and like no everyone everyone is their craziest self nobody seems to be reasonable about mm-hmm. it that's the nightmare which i i'm not living but every day i'm grateful that i'm unmarried and my fake partner's parents don't live here <laughs> yeah live in a different country yeah let's let's guess let's guess where my in-laws live Ooh, i love that mexico Submit your DMs <laughs> on where you think. Like a little, um, a little like time capsule where you guess, yeah, guess what the rest of your life is. That's a fast way to be depressed. And you're like, I'm gonna write a letter to myself five years in the future. I hope that you are happy. You're like, well, oh. <laughs> tough luck, babe. That's sad. <laughs> Wait, have you ever opened a, a time capsule letter from yourself? No, I don't have the foresight to write that kind of stuff. I feel like we had to do them at school. I don't think. But I don't know where they live. They probably live at school. (laughs) Hey, this is is what's so fucking stupid about that. Here's my hot take. What's funny to me about writing a time capsule like letter to yourself in the future is it's it's stupid, A, but fun. But um, more fun and less stupid than setting 
um, a five-year plan, work plan for yourself. Because if you think about- 100%. I am so opposed to like five-year plans, where you want to be in five years, or like, or like life plans, even what what do you want to, well, I want to be married. I want to have kids. I want to be living here. It's like, bitch, you have no, there's no point in my very loud opinion in setting plans for further than like two and a half months down the line with a few exceptions. Maybe you have children, you need to be able to like fund their life, things like that. Yeah. But things change in my experience, things change so rapidly within like the minimum of two and a half months, you get such new information, such new emotions, such new weird turns of events, turn of events. And then a five-year goal plan that that's like letting, how am I? I'm 31. That's like letting the 26 year old me who, who hadn't, who was still in a relationship who was still living in New York, who hadn't quit acting yet, who'd never heard of YouTube, who like didn't move in DC. I let that person set my goals for this year. It doesn't make any sense. She knew nothing. That person had different like values than me, different everything. Why would I let that person, why even waste her time or my time by letting her set a goal for me for this year? It doesn't make any sense. Where do you want to be in five years? Bitch. It is shocking. Where do you want to be this afternoon? It is a shocking framework that like we continue to push society has handed us just like given us and been like, do you do this? Like, (laughs) I feel like people have asked me on first dates. Do you have a five-year plan? And I'm like, suck my butt. My five minute plan is leaving this date. Like what? (laughs) Like absolutely not. Like what? The first time I came to Chicago, I was visiting a friend that lives here. And I remember texting my dad when I boarded my plane on the way home and being he was like how was your trip how's chicago i said it was fun i could never live there a year later i applied for a job here that brought me here i've now been here for four years i've been happier here than i was anywhere else yeah i couldn't have fucking known that and if and if you'd written if you sat down yeah and your your dad was like great good to know now write your five-year plan (laughs) yeah it's just and like sign it sign it and we'll check yeah, on it every, in blood check on it quarterly like no I just don't know what the point is I guess there's a point to having yeah it's the difference between setting goals and like steering yourself via values or yeah. maybe more what you want your life to feel like or not even your life like that's too big everyone gets lost in it. like what do you want your days to feel like yeah I don't know because that uh, that lets you continuously evaluate and reflect on what, how it's going. Like if you just set a goal at 11 that you want to be an actor, it might be 17 years before you pause to think, do I like being an actor? Mm-hmm. And because you're just opposed, chasing the thing yeah, you said. Because you're set on, you're setting a static thing. The way I changed after acting, I was like, I have no fucking idea what I want. But I know that I want to have free time. I want to have a weekend again. I want to be able to see friends. I want to have like some minimal disposable income that isn't all going back into my whatever waitressing job. Or I want to be able to like have time to see my family instead of never being able to take time off. The values of flexibility and life balance became these were the values that steered me as opposed to I want to have this job or that. And I chose a job that would not put me in a bunch of debt that was super flexible that I could go in and out of. And that was coding. And I did fucking front end web developing. And that wasn't the end. Like that wasn't a passion and it wasn't where I am now, but it, it 
gave me the flexibility to like figure out the next steps. I couldn't have just like jumped to the final step. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think short-term goals are fair, but if they are all leading towards it, there's a difference between setting short-term goals that are like based on your current values or like what currently feels good, what currently lights you up. That's a good thing to use that to inform short-term goals. But if you are setting short-term goals that are just incremental steps to one big long-term goal, then- With no room to like reflect on how that's going for you. Exactly. That's probably not going to work so well for you. Something I always say about how I kind of align my value system is that I have strongly held values and loosely held beliefs like mm, that's I thank you I I literally wrote it down I have and a you're list. like that's good write it down <laughs> no my brain doesn't work so I have a list of my values in my phone my current no, that's what, good what I like I consider that. my current values nice. and it says that above it and I do that for I have like a partner checklist mm. And it's values. It's not like they need to be six foot three. It's like what I want to feel, what I want them to like make me feel like. But because I have, yeah, same. I have to like return to it or I forget. Totally. I have that too. That I don't like being abused. I'm like, do I like abuse? I forget. (laughs) Okay. No? Okay. Keep forgetting. Um, Okay. So you have your value list. Strongly held values, loosely held beliefs. Like I What's the difference? What's the difference between those? I feel like values are like the pillars of what gets you up in the morning, you know, like what makes you tick? What are things that like, you're not willing to compromise on or sacrifice? Yeah. Okay. Okay. An example of a value that I have is listening, like certain things that I'm not willing to not me compromise. I'm not willing to (laughs) sacrifice no matter what. But those aren't things that inform like a day-to-day life necessarily. I mean, not actionable. It's like too actionable. They're too high level too high level okay yeah beliefs are more of like the ground level things that can change like once you gain new information you Mm. can shift your belief about something oh you know so it's kind of the same with goal setting it's like you have certain values and I think that it's really important for your goals to align to those if you are a person that wants to set goals but you're going to gain new information over time as you pursue those goals. And that's going to change what they look like. The values might be the same. You might always return to your values, but like be open to gaining new information that changes the direction of those goals and the way that you set them or whether you set them at all. And I'll also say for the record, like your values can change too. Um, You just were mentioning like, oh yeah, now your values are flexibility and, boundaries and work-life balance but if in two years you find yourself in a different mix of life circumstances and Mm -hmm. your values shift away from that I don't think that's a failure Um, as long as you're like checking in with yourself you know what I mean it sounds so obvious but it's so much harder to put into practice I guess it does sound obvious like I, I feel like an idiot breaking this all down but and yet it's tough I mean it's with no judgment, it's just really hard to get out of. I, I, I like how we're talking about feeling good, like what feels good. I feel like when it when I'm living in alignment of my values, it's very much like a feeling that is I inhabit. But I think before 
I think I've only really become attuned to that within the last year or two, if I'm honest. So I don't even know how I got there from where I was before. I don't know if you have more tangible steps for people. I think I would think we both got there by doing it, uh, approaching it in a way that did not, that was very unsuccessful for a long time. Like you, I had to do it for a long time, pursue something the wrong way and really for years stay very out of touch with the experience of my life, very out of touch with my own unhappiness, really repress it until it was like, you can't even ignore this anymore until I really started to think about like, maybe there's a different way I want to set up my life. It sounds like you did the same thing. We both did something for eight years Mm -hmm. uh, before, you know, it's really hard to take a step back. And I feel like once I hit that, um, my willingness to question things and my willingness to quit things became one of my biggest values. Like I'm such a fucking fan of quitting. This is like my like fourth career and it won't be my last. And I am so fulfilled. It's brought like the, the ability to quit thing. I just hate this idea that you should never quit or, you know, like with almost anything you could say, yeah, if I pursued it, you could always do that self-abusing thought of like, well, maybe if I did it longer, it would get me somewhere else. Mm. But in the meantime, like sure with some things it's hard to, it's really, I feel, I find it really hard to talk about because perseverance is also a value and doing hard things and being uncomfortable. That's also a value, but it's like, I think you have to first identify where you are on the spectrum. I'm very inclined to do hard things and to be uncomfortable. My mom once described me as, um, what did she say? That I endure to a fault. Yeah, that was the thing. It kept, it keeps me in bad relationships for a long time. It keeps me in a bad career. It keeps me in unhappy places for a long time because I'll just endure it. I can do it. And so that's where I am on the spectrum. So I think I had to identify like me um, erring in the direction of bailing on stuff a little more probably actually just sets me in the middle. Mm. And if you're someone who like, if you're way more likely to quit and you're on the quitting spectrum, it, you know, they're neither good nor bad. It's just, where are you on the spectrum? And like, maybe you need to air a little more in the direction of endurance to get to those places of more fulfillment. Yeah. So I don't think it's a one size fits all. It's like, where are you? And then how do you want yeah. to lean to kind of counteract that? Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot because it is a uniquely personal thing. And it is also something that like, there's a fine balance. I don't think anybody has it perfect, even though we feel better aligned to our values in what we're doing now than what we were doing five years ago. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that we are perfectly aligned and it doesn't mean that tomorrow it won't change, but like striking that balance. You keep doing it. All like, all I feel is that like constant, I get it out of whack all the time. I'm just faster at correcting now. Yeah. I have, I'm fucking up my life balance daily, daily, but I'm also adjusting it daily. And I feel like that's all it is. Like for everybody, it's constant flux you're changing, your circumstances are changing, your relationships are changing, your health is changing, your age is changing. Like it's all going to keep changing. You just have to like keep evaluating what you need to adjust. You're going to keep adjusting. Totally. So I keep this um, note on my phone, speaking of how I write down my values so that I can remember them. Wait, you didn't even read your values. Can you, you want me to do you? Yeah, I do. 
Sure. I haven't updated these in a little while. I probably wrote these like six months ago. I, I'm sure that they still stand, but maybe things are missing. Yeah. Um, Investing in myself and living authentically. I put that as one bullet. Cool. That's my way of justifying being selfish. Like, Which everyone should be. 100%. To I some think degree. It's not bad being to be selfish. selfish is so frowned upon and it is such a mistake and I'm fucking over it. Especially us going to Catholic school, like selfish was one of the vices or whatever, selfishness. Yep. And we were just taught that it's like the worst thing you can possibly be. That is a falsehood. Absolutely not. So my number one value on this list is investing in myself and living authentically because I need to remind myself that like I'm all I got and I come first and yeah. I have to do things that align with me and not and and not things that make everybody else comfortable. Only yes. things that make me comfortable. Yes. You have value because you're a whole person and your value, despite what our upbringing said, your value does not come from how much you um, diminish yourself for other people. Totally. That's not what your value is. It is so funny what my next value on the list is, though. Diminish myself. In juxtaposition to that. Caring for and uplifting the people in my life. Because it's both. Because it's both. Those don't contradict each other. And because, you know, even calling it selfish is not accurate. Like doing things for yourself is not being selfish. Or, Or if it is selfish, then selfish is a very positive thing. Yeah, those things go together. Yep. I totally agree. And I, I'm not capable of caring for and uplifting people if I'm not investing in myself first. So yeah, the order there is important too. Um, three is keeping an open mind. I always say this to you. I always say that like I can say something right now and a moment later it's no longer how I feel or it's no longer true to me. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not so like fucking fleeting and flaily and weak where like I hold nothing true. There are so many things about myself that I feel today, tomorrow and five years from now and whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things that I'm just saying to explore them or cause they made me chuckle in a moment. And then like, yeah, like I said earlier, you get new information and you, change your tone or change yeah your you're mind or... I think you're like a verbal processor and you're flexible and you're also like a silly goof yeah I just say things and then once I hear myself say them it gives me a good like sounding board to yeah. be like, okay now that that came out of my mouth is it true the person that's on the other side is like that came out of her mouth uh-oh she's she's feeling this way and I'm like no I was just saying that to hear it like what like <laughs> What is a like good example what? of that? Like I don't know what's a good example. I don't of that. think I relate to this one. Really? I feel I like that. I I feel like I pretty much only say exactly what I mean. That <laughs> is such a good quality. Which is no, I should never say that on air because then I'm gonna say something that gets me in trouble and I'll never be able to take it back. People will be like, you meant it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's maybe I've learned this from podcasting. Yeah, I'm like, nothing I say counts. <laughs> I feel like, unfortunately, I usually say, I usually mean the terrible things I say. Um, Yo, when have you gotten in trouble? (laughs) I wish I could think of it. I'm just just saying that to hear what it sounds like. Like, what do you want for dinner? And I'm like, sushi? No. A lie. (laughs) A lie. Faking you out. Yeah, how hard it must be to be your partner. (laughs) It 
honestly, it's a nightmare. Like for all of the love that I give, I am so hard to pin down. Um, and I recognize that. I recognize that. You're a bunch of like red, you're a bunch of red herrings and fake owls. I guess I'm a very honest and direct person, but like, I think the reason I'm so honest is because I let myself just like explore, say what comes to me and explore it. And then like, usually the way that like a disagreement or conflict will go with me is like, it will start because there's a disagreement. I will say a bunch of things that are me exploring the topic, like have varying levels of truth, but I just will say them to explore. A bunch of opinions that may or may not be mine. I'll just say The other person is just like watching me as I go down these rabbit holes. (laughs) And they're like, wow, she's actually a lot more upset about this than I even was. I actually am not. I'm just exploring, but they think I'm really upset. I don't, I don't be like, I know this about you. This is crazy. Then you got to stop this. End, you got to stop this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I've said all of these things enough where. I've said everything one could say. <laughs> I've said everything that's possible. So now I understand that really the truth is this. I say it like 10 times so that the person understands that that's where I'm landing and the other stuff doesn't count. And then I'm like, are we good? And they're like. I think so. And I'm like, they're like, I'm tired. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Everyone's exhausted. (laughs) That's usually how it goes. Yeah. (laughs) So I feel great about that value. That all started from (laughs) keeping an open mind, which like nobody would have challenged me on that as a value. And yet I went, you're like, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. (laughs) (laughs) To go to lighter things, this same note that has my values at the top also has a variety of other lists about myself. So I had read them immediately. Because I can't remember anything about myself. You can't remember anything about yourself. (laughs) This is awesome. Yeah, do it. Well, I have favorite movies. But why do you need to remind yourself of your own favorite movies? (laughs) To practice them? To to what? (laughs) Why? Because when people ask you what your favorite movies are, I panic when these questions come up. I hate it. It's Silence of the Lambs. Move on. It's Silence of the Lambs. That's the only answer I've ever given. (laughs) That has been your favorite movie forever. I remember that from high school. I still never watched that movie. Yeah, I don't even watch it that much anymore, but it's still my Hmm. answer because whatever. They want an answer. My answer has always been Anchorman, which is still mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies. It's at the top of this list. But yeah. I like to give variety depending on who I'm talking to. Like, maybe I'll go a different direction. Maybe I'll say Goofy Movie because that's also a favorite movie. Maybe I'll say Mrs. Doubtfire, also a favorite movie. Maybe You're I'll say- so cute. You're so <laughs> The cute. Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, my God. These, all of Christmas these are the movie. same movie. These are all the same movie. Just- <laughs> Those are all the same. <laughs> what about Sister Act? Okay. <laughs> Jess. That's good. I'm glad you have your list. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Do you have any good notes on your phone that you keep to remind yourself of who you are? <laughs> I keep a ton of notes, actually. I'm pulling my laptop up. Wait, where do I have a phone? Um, I mostly use it for, I actually use it for everything. Like I live off my notes. It's my to-do list. It is my all my video ideas um because I'll work I'll like write down ideas for videos for like many months before I make the video and I just have like a note per video and then but my favorite my favorite I have one that's just like favorite quotes from people oh I like that quotes from people in my life that I think are obscene like one time hold on let me see if I can find this one my dad's a doctor and he 
and he also hates like sometimes he hates being a doctor but what he really hates is being asked about being a doctor (laughs) and he hates small talk and one time I think he was he also like hates parties my dad hates a lot of stuff that's why I love him and uh one time I don't know he must have gone to some party and I think I asked him how the party was and he like went into this impression of people at the party making small talk with him and being like Tom how are the patients (laughs) and he's just like well they're fucking sick (laughs) (laughs) just like hearing your dad slash the surgeon that's everything well they're fucking sick (laughs) um just like that encapsulates him so well his hatred of parties his hatred of small talk his hatred of being sick i just loved it cool that's what we got for you today it was a more deep one but that's the mood we're in it's late night caroline's been yawning both of us keep putting our mic on mute to like burp we both have a little (laughs) bit of a gassing thing going on (laughs) it's been burp central over here hundred percent been burping. I was gonna say it's not literally <laughs> both we're taking turns when the other one is talking, going on mute, and then you just see a, a, an arm up to the mouth, like to mute the mic and burp. Yeah. So that's what today has been. Follow us at not for everyone pod. It's not the number four everyone pod on Instagram. You can find Caroline at the good sitter on instagram and caroline winkler on youtube and you can find me at jay-z debakey on instagram you can't find us on aim unfortunately (laughs) but if you but if you could it would be do you really want it i fucking love crab rangoon it's like my comfort food addiction what is it even? Is the is the is a rangoon a part of the crab or is it the way no. that the crab is served? It's like a pocket of cream cheese and crab, an imitation Ooh. crab. It's, oh, ah, the imitation. Mm-hmm. It's all about the imitation. It's probably like <laughs> humans should probably not eat it, but I fucking ours. I think I'm having a very strong reaction to the word rangoon. Rangoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does that even where did that come from? I don't know. An orangutan and a raccoon, I assume. Ah. <laughs> it's a crab rolled up. Even now. Don't look it up. Just let's just I'm not going it. to. That's what Don't I'm gonna believe. Up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>